Welcome to Politics and Right. My name is Egberto Willis. Today, Olivia S. Benson has been a practicing attorney in Florida for more than 30 years. She's a graduate of the University of Miami Schools of Business and Law. Benson grew up in various religions, religious teachings, and eventually sought to find real answers to life's challenge. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. She visits with us today to discuss a present issue the absence of fathers and what it means to daughters. Her new book, For the Love of My Father, explores women healing from the absence of fathers in their lives to help them move forward and lead successful lives. Olivia Benson, welcome to Politics Done Right. One more time, how are you doing today? I am well. Thank you so much for having me again. As you just mentioned, this is my second time and I'm really appreciative, very grateful that you've given me this opportunity. Well, I I think um, I am grateful that you are offering what you are offering to the world in your new book, For the Love, For the Love of My Father. And you know what? Um, Let's get started this way. Why did you write the book? Wow. I um, I just answered this question, I think, on another interview yesterday. I wrote it because I wanted all the little girls like me and even the women and those women with that little girl inside to have something that they could look at from someone who's not writing as a psychologist or as a, as a mental health professional or any other kind of professional, somebody who is writing from what I call in my bones experience and behind the eyeballs experience. I have walked this, I have lived this. And what I hope, and I say it in the book, is that somebody says to those little girls, Daddy isn't here, but he loves you and he just can't do it right now because you and I both know um, the culture where the dad is not there. There's no question. He's not there. He is, for all practical purposes, an absent dad and for all practical purposes, a bad dad. But then what does mom do? She is going to speak badly of him from the morning until the night and say every negative thing that she's, she can say about him. And this child is going to listen to this and internalize it in a very negative way. And I would like to say to the women, I mean, obviously this happens in the opposite with men also, but I'm talking about being a little girl growing up without my father and living with my mother. And I would say, tell your daughters and tell your sons that daddy just doesn't know how right now, or daddy just can't do it right now. Because as frustrated as you might be by his absence and by the things that he's doing or not doing, when you are unable to communicate this to your children, 
your, your daughter or your son, you're doing significant damage to them. Little words like, it's not you, right? That's what we're saying. It's not you. It's just that daddy can't do it right now. And that would make a difference. Um, let, let, uh, let me go ahead and this, what you just said turns into a two-part question. First of all, why is it that it always seems like the responsible party? I know it's not 100%, but why does it seem that the responsible party is always the mother? I don't want to get into the negative that she promotes on the dad yet, but what is it within, is it a cultural thing? What makes it that the mothers always seem to step up? Well, first of all, and you clarified, it's not always, right? Because Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we acknowledge all of those dads who are out there being mother and father as well. And there is an absent mother in those cases. So it's not always. But I mean, it's very, first of all, women bear, and there's a, there's a thing that I say in the book, I said it in the last book and in this one, women carry the babies, right? Nine months, bear the babies, and it is your child. It is the fruit of your womb. It's very difficult for you to separate yourself. It happens. Many women have abandoned children and done a number of different things for whatever their reasons might be. But it's very difficult for a woman to have a child and then just sort of let it go. Mm-hmm. Man, it's a little bit easier because you deposit the sperm and in many cases have the ability or you have the emotional emotional inability to connect and therefore you're very easily able to walk away. But there's so many things tied up in the question that you're asking, because for example, there's a chapter in the book that's called Things Buried Alive Never Die. Uh And in that chapter, I talk about the legacy of the transatlantic slave trade and what happened to men and women during this process of what I call breeding, right? So if you are, your slave master is saying to you, go in quotations, breed with this woman, right? Have babies. And then that's only no emotional connection to her. You just go do it. And then the baby's born, right? And the, the child is sold. So the, the, and this is a small example. This is not how everything went, but now this man, right? And this woman, the emotional ties that are normal between men and women and children are intentionally being broken. And this chapter, Things Buried Alive Never Die, talks about the fact that much of this information and, you know, there, there obviously there's genetic information. There are things that are coded and uh, whether this can even be coded. There's lots of discussion about it, but we can see that there are issues that are being passed down, whether it's a social passing so that people just learn the behavior. Listen, I'm not going to get attached. I can be detached from my child. I can breed in quotations with as many women as I want and move along. So I don't think it's natural and normal 
for a man to just separate. But there are many factors which are usually hidden within the person, the male that we're talking about, that lead him to be disconnected, to be callous, to be uh, everything but able to connect with what I call the fruit of his loins. And it's it's an issue. Actually, that is a very important observation because I, I tell you, when when people look at behaviors and the genesis of those behaviors, it is important to to figure out why and where did it come from? Why is it that in this particular cultural group, we have more of those incidents and in another particularly cultural group? And we can uh, we can throw it onto socioeconomics and many other reasons. But I think you you brought an important facet when you talk about if that was the act of even just the act of saying you're a breeder in effect. You then behave that way. And I tell you, expanding on what you just said, if you take a look at how in many instances the welfare state has treated the poor in general and noticing that the poor in general has exhibited that sort of behavior more often than others, irrespective of culture, et cetera, Mm -hmm. that brings a lot of credence to what you've just said. Now, Mm -hmm. continuing with when you mentioned about mothers and talking to their kids important issue but i tell you in when you said it i kind of cringed a bit when you say when, when you gave sort of a a directive to mothers as how they can damage their daughters by speaking ill will on their dads it's you know and the reason i did that right i mean the reason i think i cringed a little bit is that again women take on so much burden and it is another burden to have someone that is not performing and in effect for the sake of your kid you have to stay mum and you internalize all the pain how no. do you deal with that no 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 i'm not suggesting that you internalize the pain at all okay in fact you need to get that out okay just not with your children Ah, Just not with your children. And let me tell you, because this is in the book also, by the way, I have a YouTube channel. It's Olivia S. Benson um, on YouTube. And I talk about this because I did um, one of the YouTubes about not burdening your children with Uh this issue. So you have the absolute right to speak about this. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This person who has abandoned you, abandoned their children, left you with excessive responsibilities and pressures. It is a horrible situation and it happens every day. There's so many women that are going through this. Now, the important thing though, is that you wanna protect your children. Mm -hmm. You wanna protect what I call the essential self. They came in here as pure, pure light, pure human beings, and the le- the less you can burden them with, 
the more likely it is that they're able to succeed in life. If you're just going to talk badly about their dad and tell them what a horrible person, little kids think when you talk, it, I, I took a class when I was getting divorced and they said, do not speak badly about your child's par- uh, other parent because that child has no ability to separate from either parent. So when you talk about the mother, it's them. You talk about the father, it's them. And if you know this, then you should consider how you would put that into practice. It's not an absolute. And and my mother knows, and I I said she did it. She knows that I said she did it. It's not a, a secret, but let me tell you something. She told me what was happening. She told me what he did, what he didn't do, every single thing. And nothing she said changed my opinion or the way I felt about my father till the day he died. I loved him wildly. I still do. He was not a good father in any way, shape or form. And I still loved him despite despite what my mother said, despite, despite what everybody said. But it was a process because there was all this stuff that was said. So if you're a mom, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy. Nothing that I suggest in the book, forgiveness of your dad, going through the process of figuring things out, nothing is easy. That is not a word in here. However, if you want to be whole and if you want your children to be whole, then the question is, are you willing? Because in that very chapter that I mentioned, Things Buried Alive alive Never Die, what I propose is that those things that were buried, let's say going back to the issue of breeding and slavery and bad habits and all this kind of stuff, those things basically, if they're not addressed, go underground, right? But it's still passed along. But the day that somebody wakes up and says, my God, this thing is coming generation to generation and look how we're reproducing without paying attention to what messages are being sent down the line. If you don't address it, then it just keeps repeating and repeating. And what I say is that one person in the line, in the generational line that wakes up and says, oh, wait a second, apparently we're running on a program here that we don't realize, right? We're running on the breeder program and some people don't realize. And I say some people because there are many people who have healed from all of this and are living living perfectly healthy lives. People of African descent and other groups that have had trauma, Native Americans, not everybody is subject to this story. But if if you are experiencing this, the day that you wake up and say, I'm that person that's going to become aware of what's happening, and I'm going to make the change for the future generations in this line, then you can change it. Why did you love your dad, irrespective of what? First of all, did you believe your mother? I believed, first of all, I saw, right? (laughs) But did you see? I saw his behavior. I saw the things that he did. I saw that he wasn't present. Um, There was a time where I talk about the fact that that my dad avoided, and I don't want to tell the whole story because we don't have time, but he avoided me. I mean, there's a story in the book where I would go see him and he was even at school. I I read that. I saw, you know, he avoided me like the plague. But later on, when um, I was an adult, he told me, he said, I made a mistake. I was, let's say he used the word hurt. That's not the word he used, but I was uh, devastated or hurt by the fact that my relationship with your mother didn't work. And I ran away from her. 
And in running away from her, I didn't realize that I was running away from my children. He told me that to my face as an adult. No, but you and said you, you always loved them, though, from a I kid. Still, I, 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 you know, I mean, first of all, you know, little girls love their dads. Right. That's just, uh, you know, that's how I felt like, oh, my God, my dad. You know, then he was uh, he was quite a character. He was very charismatic and, you know, um, in a very, you know, sort of Latinized kind of way, had, you know, had his way about him. And also, I thought that philosophically, he and I had the same kind of way of thinking about life. And so I could see, you know, I felt like my mother and my brother were, um, you know, kind of, they kind of thought, spirits. yeah, yeah. And now over here, but the sad part of it was that I felt that the two of them had their thing, but that I was more like him, but he had left me. So I didn't have anybody, right. you know? So, uh, but even then I just adored him. And that brings me to um, to the title of the book, which is For the Love of love My of Father. My and the reason I titled it For the Love of My Father was because there was a time in my life where I thought that and was willing to do anything for the love of my father. You know, that was the thing as a little girl, if you want your dad to to love you, what are you willing to do for the love of your father. Mm -hmm. But through this process, I realized that sometimes things happen in life. And that's what I say in the book, things happen in life. And you think, you know, why is this happening to me and this and why this and but ultimately, as I relate the story also in the book, um, where my son one day says he sees that I'm sad. And he says to me, and I said, oh, I'm a little sad about, you know, thinking about my dad and things like that. And my son says to me, he's like 10. He says, mom, what if that was the way it was supposed to be? Mm, he said that at that age. Wow. At that age. I, I, and I, I don't know if you, you haven't seen it in the book, but I mean, I was walking along and then I was like, oh, and he said, what's the matter? And I, I just said, oh, just a little sad because I knew he could understand sad. Mm hmm. I didn't say anything else, just a little sad about my dad. He says, Mom, what if that was the way it was supposed to be? And I snapped right back into senses because mm. things happen. You you don't know why it's going to happen. Maybe this was my life experience. But, you know, and Olivia, now I from, am to accept it from, you know, as you know, I know you a long time from Panama, et cetera. And I'll tell you something. One would never looking at uh, the, the way you carried yourself and uh, etc. One would never believe uh, you were going through anything, right? Uh, so explain to me. Uh, it, it almost says that a, a, a lot of young women, a lot of women that have gone through these daddy issues, they've had some sort of a coping mechanism that allowed the rest of the world to see them completely differently, it, irrespective of you know, the, the things that that probably is going to show up in, in a relationship thereafter. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody would have had an idea. No, I think most people have no idea of what I call the depth, depth of my what I can only describe as pain and suffering. Like mm -hmm. I grew up 
in absolute turmoil, pain, and suffering between my mom and my dad and the family. I mean, it was chaos. Now, there are a couple of things that were very, very helpful. One is that my mother is, because she's still alive, um, an amazing person. And she was an absolutely devoted mother. That doesn't mean she didn't have her whole bag of issues, but she was a devoted mother. And, you know, she was big on education and a number of different things that she sort of stayed the course with me. So that helped. The other thing that helped, and this is why I, I take, I do the writing from sort of a spiritual perspective, because when you go through so much in life, eventually it comes to a place where you need real answers. You know, not what the psychologist says. I mean, like, God, why is this this way? You need answers from what I call from Jeff's God, energy, force, spirit, whatever you want to call it. But you need that. And from a very young age, because I think it says it, if it doesn't say it on this book, it says it on the last one that I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. So I was a Jehovah's Witness in a Catholic school, um, going to some Baptist churches, went to a essentially a, a Baptist high school here in the United States. So that's why I use the reference to churchified, right? So, I mean, despite all the chaos, I had great faith. And that sort of keeps you moving, you know, this, the challenges and the issues are still underneath and they still need to be addressed and they still need to be healed. But I had faith. And I had a mother who was present and did the things that she knew best at that particular time. So for those young ladies who are watching and wondering, the, the, the only key that I can give you is that finding God, your connection to God, your relationship to God and developing that. Because you're not here for what I call unending suffering. I mean, like what creator of the universe creates everybody to suffer eternally? This God, if you came in and you have this issue or any other issue, the question is, how can I overcome it? What is the, the means that I can use to overcome it? And if you have the desire, because you really do, even when I talk about forgiveness, I mean, you really have to want to heal yourself, to be willing to figure out how can I forgive? How can I uh, overcome these challenges? And how can I, so to, so to speak, lighten my burden so that I can then move in the world as a whole human being, as a whole woman, and bring whatever it is that I have to offer to the world and make sure that my children don't follow in this line with the issues that are being passed down generationally. That's, that's what I say. Why should an adult woman who's gone through some of your tribulations read your book? Oh, wow. Well, again, you're talking about somebody who has walked in these shoes, right? In my bones experience, and so many stories that are in the book of things that actually happen that are just like, even when I read them, I'm like, I can't believe this. Um, so 
you're not talking about somebody who's telling you about something that they heard or that they learned. You're talking to somebody who's walked it and not just walked it for a little bit because, you know, you're talking, you know, childhood, 30, 40 years of experience getting through it. So you want to hear this from somebody who knows. You also have to come to the place. And if you're not there, it's fine. Whenever you're ready, you know, you're ready. But you come to the place where you sort of are exhausted. You don't really know what the problem is, because I think you asked this question a little bit earlier. Humans are we are so adaptable, right, that you come in and you find yourself in this situation and you just keep moving. You know, even though the, the the circumstance is is challenging and in some cases awful, you just do the best you can, because what are you going to do? You can't sit down and cry. You have to keep moving. So even when you knew me when I was much younger, I mean, I didn't know what was really happening to me, so to speak. I just knew that, you know, my dad wasn't there. My mom was there. I didn't really have an extended family, but I had enough that I could keep living and keep moving as best I could. And so that's what I did. So if you're a woman and now, you know, you've, let's say you've done okay. Let's say you are working and maybe you have some kids and, you know, but you're still not quite sure. This is the book that you need to read to see how you can put this all together and how you can make it even better. Because one of the things that I say in the book is that this is a good time for women. Things are changing, um, tables are opening up. You can have an opportunity to go farther than women have ever gone before. And in order to do that, many of us have to clean up some baggage. Go figure out what's what I call, and, and you probably saw it, below deck. You empty what all the baggage that you're carrying that you've been carrying for a long time that's below deck. And then once you empty that, then your ship is is light and you are a light and you can do all the things that you know you were intended to do without being weighed down by your past experiences having to do with the absence of your father or any other significant experience that you've had Olivia let me let me tell you i i want to put i want to i you know i don't do these shows that you know pushing books but i think this is a book to push and let me tell you what what is the the reasons that i, I that i see in, in as well as what you've just said but the fact that you've gone through life in a manner that very few would have realized, and the fact that you've been able to overcome this, specifically that women, uh, I, I love when you spoke about how women should talk to their children in these types of relationships, that alone, because you're bringing up the next generation, that alone said much and i think it uh, it is it is important that uh, within this book you showed it is okay to forgive it is okay to to have had these things happen to you but it's what you're going to do going forward That's i right. think that is what's so important about uh the book because a lot of time resentment prevents people from getting a hell of a lot done well exactly. yeah uh you, you by now you should know the the last question that i asked because you did it before. <laughs> so what question should I have asked you 
that I didn't? Well, you know, I think you, for the time that we have, because as you can tell, I could go on forever, but um, I thought you, (laughs) I thought you were going to ask me about the statistics related to fatherlessness. And um, I don't want to go into the numbers specifically right now, but, you know, as we go forward and, you know, I do different types of promotion for the book, the, the statistics related to fatherlessness in the United States are pretty horrific. Um, I speak mostly about girls because I am speaking about my experience, the statistics related to fatherlessness around the world are also very, very high. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't seen any statistics relating to worldwide fatherlessness. And so the, what we need to look at, I think I posted on my, um, on my Facebook page the other day, a saying from someone named Bacha Khan, which is a, was a a well-known philosopher and a spiritual leader. And he says, if you want to know about a society and how a society is, look at how they treat their women. Because women, men are equally important, but there's something that women bring that, that really cements what society is about. And so when we look at these statistics and we see that basically, and, and let me say this, I don't know how much time I have, but let me say this. Women sometimes, myself included, I'm sure I've had a time in my life where I said, uh, I can do this by myself. I don't care if he's here, if he's not here, uh, you know, all the things that people say. No, you can. It will be difficult, but you don't have to. And if it, and it would be better if you had a present father working with you. So the bottom line is that fatherlessness, absent fathers and everything related to that is a very important topic of the moment because it goes to what will happen to our society. And when I see the shows where men are having four or five children, leaving each mother and, you know, he's not present in any of the homes. I mean, what does that look like down the road? It's something we need to get a grip on. Olivia Benson, attorney Olivia Benson, for the love of my father. It's been my pleasure to have you in Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly for having been here. Okay, great. Thank you again for having me. You can see me on Facebook, author Olivia S. Benson. I'm on, I'm on YouTube, Olivia S. Benson, Twitter, and Instagram. And my website is oliviasbenson.com. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.